Thank you for listening to Lone Star Community Radio. This program was broadcasted and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. Lone Star Community Radio is supported by listeners like you. Donate and sponsor today. For more information on getting involved with Lone Star Community Radio, contact us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or visit us online at www.irlonestar.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's version of the Weekly Business Hour. Glad to have you join us this morning. I'm Rick Schisler. I'm your host. I'm also a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of OneBestConsult.com. I think we've got a good show lined up for you today. Hopefully some takeaways that you can use even today in your business. Uh, First question of the business day for you. How about this inflation? A lot of discussion, a lot of press being taken up discussing this inflation, which seems to have exploded in the first quarter of 2022. My point back to you is be sure you adjust your pricing and also your purchasing to take into consideration the inflation. Don't get caught short. Small business in general is very well known for not wanting to increase their prices. But I submit to you that it is critically important that you look at the issue. I'm not telling you how much to raise your prices. I'm not saying you have to raise your prices, but you have to look at the issue and also look at the issue regarding your purchases, whether it be office supplies, uh, be product or raw materials, depending on the type of business you're in. Be aware that the cost of those items is going up. The question now, and there's still a lot of debate on it, is how much and for how long. I happen to believe when you have 8.5% inflation reported in one month that it's not going to be a transitory thing, as some have said. It's going to be a long-term issue in a sense that even if it stops at 8.5%, it's going to take a while to ratchet down from there. There are just too many balls in the air for inflation not to have an impact on us. And make sure as you adjust things, it's not a one-time event. Make sure you adjust your business, your business plan, your business structure, the business model, whatever you work off of, to take into account what may happen in three months, six months, or a year so that you can, if needed, adjust your prices and adjust your purchasing as well. So encouragement, inflation needs to be at the top of the list with issues that you're keeping an eye on on a day-to-day or at least week-to-week business. Well, the weekly business hour is where Montgomery County and now businesses throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news, ideas to improve their business, and be part of conversations that can make a real difference in your business. I want to remind you, if you're listening to the program, that it is available live on Facebook and YouTube. Just go to the Weekly Business Hour page, click, and you can watch as well as listen to us on the program today. And a reminder, if you have a question, if you have a comment about the show, or you just have a business question about your business, please send me an email. Just send those to one, that's the number one, bestconsult at gmail.com, one bestconsult at gmail.com. Later in the program, we're going to be into the mailbag, and this is going to be a question that was submitted by one of our listeners. I love to get those questions and either respond to you directly or perhaps even bring it on the show and respond to you over the airwaves. Well, today we've got a good friend back with us today, Tom Jordan. He's been part of this program before. Uh, I'm going to share a conversation that Tom and I had recently uh, about exiting your business. Tom is an expert, uh, many, many years of experience in that concept. This is more of a transitory situation when you transition out of your business, whether you sell it or you give it over to a a younger generation or perhaps a certain employee or group of employees. The transitioning of the business, the actual exiting of the business that takes place, takes place or should take place over at least several years, if not longer. And one of the issues that is quite often forgotten, and I've seen this myself, is delegating. How well and effective you delegate to your employees, to your management team, depending on the size of your business, this can affect the value of your business in a big, big way. So Tom and I are going to have a conversation. I think you'll really enjoy it. So at this point, sit back, 
Pull out your pad and pen or your computer. Listen, take notes as I have a conversation with Mr. Tom Jordan about delegation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, uh, we're back on the street out visiting with folks. And today we've stopped by to visit with Tom Jordan. Uh, Tom is, uh, I can't say, Tom, you're a regular on the show, but you've been on several times. You've been kind enough to lend us your expertise and talk about some very, very important topics uh, typically related to transitioning or selling your business or giving it over to your family, whatever your deal. You've got a wonderful program, a process, if you will, uh, and I appreciate you making time for us today again. Glad to be here, Rick. Glad to be here. Well, today we're going to talk about, it's an interesting topic. I went through some of the materials uh, that you provided and, and talking about delegation. You know, at first glance, I'm sitting there, well, delegation, how does that play into, call it selling my business? Uh, but as I dug into the material more and more, uh, the idea that I've got some of these concepts down and processes and the fact that it really does absolutely build more value in my business, which is right, important when we sell that we get the most value we can. Uh, it, it really is an important thing. And I think folks are going to enjoy learning a little bit about this. So I'm going to turn it over to you and kind of talk about the four degrees of delegation. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, it's an interesting concept. Um, I, I, as a business owner or a leader of a company, um, we sort of inherit, you know, we sort of assume that we have delegation skills and that we're very good at it. And uh, what we've discovered over the years after working with many, many uh, owners is that the concept of, of the quality of the delegation is directly tied to other elements and aspects of the business that when rolled up, will, it will either enhance the value of your company, whether you're going to exit in the next year or two, or if you don't plan to exit for another 10 or 15, 20 years, um, and it will bring much more um, alignment culturally uh, in the company with uh, your employees. So let's let's talk a little bit about you know what we're going to talk you know the, the the subjects we'll talk about today and and I just wanted to give you just a heads up. I always like to tell people what they're about getting in what they're going to get into, and then uh, if there are any questions that you have for me, Rick, at the end, I'll be happy to answer any of those, and then we'll go from there. So in other words, hey, start with how would you rate your ability to delegate? And I always ask that question, and a lot of times I get kind of strange looks, I get sort of puzzled looks, and I get the question, well, what do you mean? And so what I want you to do, uh, listener, is just kind of make a little note between a, you know, a one and a 10, how would you rate your ability to delegate? And, um, and, and whatever that number is, uh, just write it down and we'll, we'll revisit that in just a second. We're also gonna talk about why delegation is important as it relates to the structure of your standard operating procedures and ultimately some of the things that you do as you pre-exit or pre-transfer to family or to uh, key employees. And then the meat of the, uh, of the conversation today will be on the four degrees of delegation. And we'll talk more about those in detail in a second. And then let's look at a good delegation often requires budget authority. And this is one area that uh, many owners have never really given any thought to. We'll kind of talk about that in, um, uh, in a second. And then what happens when someone gets stuck and uh, I'll you know, give you a little tip for you know, delegation and how you can control your time as it relates to delegating things to, um, to your employee. So let's go ahead and get started. How would you rate your ability to delegate? You know, I often do, I often ask this question when I'm speaking or when I'm giving webinars and it, I have to tell you, the answers are all over the map. Uh, there is no consistent factor uh, or number that I hear from uh, small business owners. I'll get twos, I'll get nines, I'll get fours, I'll get sixes. And so what I want to share with you here is just a little bit of 
just kind of the types of delegators that we see out in the marketplace. I've chosen three of my favorite. There are others, uh, but I've chosen three of my favorite. Let me just kind of give you that description of what they are. The first one is called a hot potato delegator. And a hot potato delegator uh, tires of a project or a task and quickly tosses the activity to an employee to handle. Like a hot potato, you touch a problem briefly and pass it on to someone else quickly without much thought. The problem is the person you're giving the project to may not be clear on what you want them to do, which means the potato often falls back into your lap. I'll tell you, having, having grown two businesses and sold them uh, in my career, I was the hot potato delegator. Uh, kind of sad to say, but it's true. The other type of delegator that we see commonly is that we call a delegation hippie. And that's inspired by the three loving spirits of the 1960s. I see this a lot because I work predominantly with baby boomers um, and they grew up early in their business career in, those, uh, in, in the 60s and 70s uh, where uh, they believed in communal living, where there were no rules and everybody was treated equally because you didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So the delegation hippie asks a subordinate to handle a task, but fails to provide clear lines of authority and control. The employees left wondering if they need to check in with their boss before deciding on a course of action and are unclear about the budget they've been given to work with. And when I say check in with the boss, I'm not talking about one three minute conversation tomorrow morning. I'm talking about constant interruptions throughout the day uh, that really can be a real time suck on the owner's uh, schedule. The third type is what we call the false delegator. The false delegator is a person who asks an employee to help with a project. The employee is left with the impression they're being given broad decision-making authority to complete the project. And while the manager asks, actually wants to be kept abreast of the possible solutions, her employee is considered considering and wants to retain the final decision-making authority. This is poison. Uh, I'll tell you, this is where you, you don't want to put your employees in a position of having responsibility, but having no authority. So this is an area that uh, uh, many owners really struggle with. And I just wanted to kind of give you a taste and a flair for the kinds of delegation personalities that we see out there in the marketplace. Now, you know what, Tom, if, Tom, if I can interrupt for a moment, I, one of the things I hope that our listeners uh, get is, and it's been my experience as well as what I've read a number of times, is someone who is a good delegator, typically is a good leader, because it is an important part of being a, le a leader. But the bottom line is, if I'm good at delegation, typically my business is top of the class. I mean, it is a well-run managed business if I'm able to effectively delegate because to grow a business you've got to have that skill and you've got to be able to do it so as people hear what you're saying and this is how your value proposition came back to me because if I'm good at this and I can delegate consistently constantly I built a good business hey it's worth more <laughs> when it gets to this point but anyway yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you but I wanted folks oh, to realize no. that delegation really is an important ingredient of a successful business. It sure is. And uh, I'll tell you, there is a direct correlation between the quality and, and the positive results of delegation and the transferable value measurement uh, of a business, direct correlation. Um, it's an often misunderstood or, or underlooked at aspect of running a business, but uh, we've discovered that it is, it, it is one of the key elements of, uh, of, of building the foundation of running, running a good business with your employees. So let's take a look at why delegation is important. Um, you know, before we get into how we delegate, let's start with a quick summary of why delegation is a critical skill for any business owner. Being able to delegate well means your company can thrive without you personally overseeing the details. 
keep that uh, in mind because we're going to talk more about that in a second. This freedom allows your company to grow without you as a bottleneck while the quality of your work life improves as you no longer have to spend your time fighting fires and answering mundane questions. Best of all, your company's worth more. So you can see this chart below, these companies that can sustain a three month absence of their owner. And that's the question, can you sustain a three month absence from your company. And I'm talking about not being there, not being in touch either digitally or in person and not making any decisions. Can your company survive a three month absence uh, of, of you not being there? And you can, this, these, are, these are interesting statistics. Um, you, you know, suffer a lot and not survive, 14% suffer a lot, but survive, 19% suffer a little, but survive, 23, hardly suffer at all, uh, and survive. So it, you can see that there is a, I think, a, a large enough impact on the ability to delegate and have systems in place and standard, operation, uh, standard operational procedures in place that allow you as the owner to be able to step back maybe slowly over time, but be able to step back and let a lot of the day-to-day -day operations and decisions that need to be made, allow those to be made by other employees, key management, managers that you have, et cetera. And I'll tell you, it's a huge issue. Well, you know, we're, we're about out of time for our first uh, break. I wanna mention uh, some years ago in Inc. Magazine, one of their main uh, writers wrote a column, business owner, and he came at it from a little different direction, but his idea was that he phased into it. So he could be gone for a week, and he, and, but he had a schedule over a period of several years where he would work it up to where he was gone a, a 30 days at a time, three times during the year. All about delegating and building a team, which is what your exercise shows of people who could run that business and thus create more value. So we're going to take a short break here, ladies and gentlemen, we come back and we're going to talk about the four degrees of delegation and some of the ways that you can build your workforce, your management team, uh, and, and delegate more effectively so that you do have a more valuable business. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with you. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. From the beginning, the main purpose of the Cooperative Extension Service has been to change human behavior by teaching people how to apply the results of scientific research. By utilizing a holistic, multi-level approach, Extension Family and Community Health Programs encourage health and well-being for everyone. Addressing values, concerns, and needs with reliable science-based information Extension programs help people lead healthier lives. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Hey y'all, it's DJ Mike from Dan Simon, Texas. Join me Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. as I count down the top 10 Texas Red Dirt songs that are packing the dance floor. I'll be featuring local artists and the story behind the hits, shows in the area, as well as new songs that make you want to dance. It's Dance Diamond Texas with DJ Mike on Lone Star Community Radio 104.5 KCZW and 106.1 KZCC, Conroe, Texas, or online, IRLoneStar.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour. I'm Rick Schistler. Uh, I'm your host. And today we have Tom Jordan's back with us. And we're talking about delegation as a component, really, of building a solid business and building value in your business. So when it's time to exit or transition, your business is worth more. So, Tom, we're down to uh, four degrees of delegation, kind of a roadmap, if you will, of how to build delegation in your business. 
um, because it's it's a must-have if you're going to build a successful business. So why don't you walk us through that as our next step in this journey? Yeah, this is this is really the meat of the message today, and that's how how to get your company to run without you. And it's really we take a look at these degrees of delegation and. And you know why? Why do so many um, business owners fail to delegate tasks effectively? And I think the problem comes down to thinking of delegation in a black and white fashion instead of thinking of delegation as binary. Think of delegation as having four degrees, where each degree offers your employee more decision-making autonomy and authority. In other words, kind of kind of easing out that authority over time or over a project. Uh, so let's take a look at the first one. The first degree of delegation we call follow my lead. And essentially it's pretty, pretty straightforward. It's where you trust an employee to follow your instructions. You create a standard operating procedure and ask that they follow the steps you outline in your instructions. And by the way, at the end of our presentation, I, I have, I'll provide a link uh, that you can access on an ebook I've written on standard operating procedures that I think could really help you out as you address this important area. With first degree delegation, your employee must follow your process. They are not being given any decision-making authority and you're not accommodating many variables. It's pretty straightforward. The kind of delegation is suitable for common tasks where you're clear on what you want done and how you want someone to do it. I have many owners who will actually videotape um, a, a, a direction of a common task, a standard operating procedure, and they will have new employees watching those videos on their own time, not company time. So think about that. If you have a company of 20, 30, 40, 50 employees, and you're regularly bringing in two, three, four new people uh, every quarter, maybe even every month, if you're in a, in a fast track growth, think of the man hours that are allocated, not only from you as the owner, but from your staff in, 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 in onboarding a new employee. It's, it's huge. And, and this is one way that you can really uh, uh, address an issue that'll come up here in a few minutes, but uh, kind of have, have your, the kind of delegation is just ideal for simple tasks carried out by relatively junior employees when you provided them with, with that standard operating procedures to follow. The second degree of delegation is what we call research and report. And that involves giving an employee a broader scope of responsibility to research the range of options for completing a project or task. You don't have the solution in, in your mind, so you'd like your employee to do some thinking and come back to you with some options. You're trusting an employee to do their own analysis and bring you a short list of options to consider. Importantly, with second degree delegation, the decision on which course of action to take still remains with you. The kind of delegation is ideal when you don't have the answer to a specific challenge and you'd like to see the breadth of possible options. These are usually high stake decisions that could have a negative impact on you and the company, and therefore you wanna stay involved and make the final decision. There's some critical thinking required with the second degree of delegation. So it's important that your employee has good intuition for weighing options and some common sense. So for example, you may ask an employee to do some research into flight options for traveling to a city. In this case, you don't want your employee to give you a laundry list of dozens of options. You would prefer they come up with three or four intelligent options for you to consider since you'll be the one uh, you're sitting in the airport terminal waiting for a connection. If your employee makes the wrong judgment call, you'd like to make a final decision. Having spent many hours over my career 
in airports uh, because the scheduling was not done properly uh, in terms of the um, you know the you know the times you wait for those connecting flights. I can attest that this is an important one. So let's go on to third degree of delegation. But before we do, Rick, do you have any any cops, uh, comments or thoughts? Well, you know, again, uh, first blush looking at this, if I'm uh, the manager or business owner, uh, delegation takes work. I mean, it's not something that you just throw out there. Uh, I also think you obviously have to evaluate the individual you're working with and, and using this. But to me, this is a great, your particular document and process is a great training uh, route to follow uh, a map, if you will, and in, in doing this to develop people. And that's the thing I find people, small business owners, as they build, you know, the first employee, the fifth, the 10th, you know, as they grow, uh, development of the employees, they don't really spend as much time as they should. They don't see the value. They uh, rely on the individual to develop themselves. Uh, they may offer some educational courses and things, but this is developing people. And this allows your company to be successful and expand successfully, uh, which is, is, is a challenge to do. There's no doubt that about is. it. So, no question. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you, having, having had, oh gosh, over my career, two, 300 employees in, in my businesses, uh, I can tell you that it comes down, in, and this is my opinion, um, it comes down to two issues with employees. Either you have a character issue or you have a training issue. And I, I want to make sure that if I have someone that is not doing well, I want to eliminate the training issue. In other words, it will training change the result of that employee, you know, for the better. Uh, and I really want to go there first before I, I terminate someone, uh, because usually it's a character issue. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll go into that some other time, but let's go back to the third degree real quick. Do it and report. The third degree of delegation involves extending decision-making authority to an employee. You trust your employee to make a decision, but you'd also like to be kept in the loop to coach your employee if you start to question their decision-making. This kind of delegation makes sense when you have provided your employees already with standard operating procedures and you trust your employees to think like an owner. I wanna repeat that, you trust your employees to think like an owner. It also helps if the stakes of a bad decision are relatively low. So that's an interesting idea. Let's have a fourth degree real quick called do it. The fourth degree of delegation takes a page out of old Nike advertising campaign, which implores their customers to just do it. This level of de delegation is used when you trust an employee to completely remove something from your plate. As we all like, as an owner, we like that. It is best used when you provide an employee with SOP uh, procedures for completing a task and the impacts of a bad decision are relatively manageable. It can also be appropriate to use the fourth degree of delegation if a task is something you know little about and would be better handled by someone who is more knowledgeable or wants to be more knowledgeable. Let's imagine you need to hire a carpet cleaning company. You know nothing about carpet cleaning and the downside of picking the wrong cleaner is manageable. Therefore, you may choose to assign the task to a subordinate using the fourth degree of delegation. As you can see from the four degrees, each type of delegation is different and extends more or less authority to your subordinates depending on the degree. So let's go on to what this idea of budget authority is. And this is one area where I find owners either have never thought about or they're very reluctant to think about. And I think it's a short-term view uh, of, of, of the, the nature of training and, and maturing your delegation abilities. But here we have, in addition to the degree of delegation, you'll also want to consider 
whether a time or monetary budget is required, as it almost always will. For example, at the Ritz-Carlton hotel chain, each employee, regardless of their level, is given a $2,000 budget to fix a guest problem. Ritz-Carlton is using the fourth degree of delegation, which is do it, and empowering staff at all levels to make a guest problem go away, providing it could be done for less than 2,000. Each employee at Ritz-Carlton knows they have the decision-making authority to act up to a specific spending threshold. For example, if a bellhop damages a piece of, of luggage, they know they can and are expected to replace a piece of luggage provided they can do so for less than 2000 Now, that sounds like a lot of money, right? <clears throat> but think, think about this for a second. The average customer with Ritz-Carlton over their lifetime spends more than $250,000 with the chain. Think about that for a second. And that's that's kind of how I want you to look at your proportions. You know, I'm not saying it's 2000 I'm saying it's got to be a number that you're comfortable with in your business and in your line of work and in your scope of work that would allow an employee the autonomy and the ability to make problems go away before they come to you. Well, you know, the, the, even the buzz, and I've seen this, it's rare. Uh, your, your story, Rich Carlton, I think I may have heard, but when you give someone that authority to solve a problem, whether, like you say, dollar amount, $100, $50, whatever it is, as a customer, you feel it's just amazing. You're mad because something's not right, typically. And when they can mm -hmm. solve it right then and there, and you say, wow, and that wow absolutely is going to bring more customers into that business because I'm going to talk about that. There you go. Tell yeah. people. Because it's wow. and feels amazing. Well, the and the reason you're going to tell people that is because it's such a rare event. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think when, when you have a good experience with a company, we tend to want to talk about it and tell people. Uh, and this is the kind of stuff that will create that buzz uh, for your company. So what happens when someone gets stuck? Because they do and they will. So let's look at this idea of yesable questions. So if you pick the appropriate degree of delegation, create a standard operating procedure and outline a time or financial budget for your employees, many of your projects and tasks can be successfully delegated. Despite your rigor in assigning a task, employees may still get stuck and need clear guidance from you on what to do when they hit a roadblock. This is where the yesable question comes in handy. Tell your employees that when they have a problem, they need to resist the urge to deposit their problem into your lap. Instead, they must research two or three possible solutions to their problem and present their recommendations in a question you can simply respond to with a yes or no. Now, let me tell you about this. Uh, I have, I'm working with, with an owner now and we, we just finished going through this process and he carved out over the last 90 days, he was able to carve out an average of eight and a half hours a week of the constant interruptions and, and knocking on the door throughout the day of questions and issues with his employees. Now think about that for a second. He worked about 45, 50 hours a week. He carved out eight and a half hours by adopting the yesable question. And simply what he did was he created a standard operating procedure for his employees that were required to go out and research their problem come up with some suggestions on how to solve it on their own and then come to the owner for a quick yes or no. Now think about that for a second. All of that adds up. Eight and a half hours is a day of a week, uh, is four days a month. I mean, think about that. You can reclaim as an owner, you can reclaim a day a week 
to do something else that you've wanted to do but haven't had time to, or basically maybe add more balance into your life uh, as an owner. So, you know, these are the kind of things that cumulatively make a lot of sense. So I wanted to make sure that you understood this yesable uh, question concept. It sounds kind of hokey a little bit, but let me tell you something. It's real and it, and, and it creates tremendous results uh, for owners. So let's take a look at the summary. But before we do, Rick, any comments, any questions before we wrap this up? No, I think you, you've given an excellent uh, uh, approach to offer an excellent approach and a process. And I hope people will go back when they have access to this material and just kind of go through it. And it's a step-by-step -step process. And I think it's uh, very much one that uh, they, everyone should consider. Uh, I suspect there's some doing bits and pieces of it, but I think to get all the way through. And again, I've been repetitive about it, but it builds value in your business. Uh, not only a day-to-day -day value, but a long-term value. So I think that's cool. Well, Tom, we've got about a minute left. So if you want to wrap this up with a summary, uh, I think it's it's been a wonderful yeah. discussion. Mastering the art of delegation is not as difficult as you would think. You don't need to go out and read a dozen or more business books on the issue. It's really, really something that's simply uh, uh, addressed and there are easy solutions. The key I have found is just sticking with it. So I hope this has been of help for all of you out there listening and um, uh, you will have uh, some links available to you to get more information on this. I've written a couple of uh, white papers on standard operating procedures and also how you can begin to a measure how much of of, of time you spend in these delegation issues and, and how to maybe readjust how you spend your time. And those, uh, those will be coming up in the next slide. So I really appreciate it, Rick. Uh, thank you. And I'm gonna turn it back over to you. Before we uh, part company here, people wanna reach out to you directly. Give us some contact information. Sure. Uh, the easiest way is to go to my website and the name of my company is Exodus Comp Link, E-X-O-D-U-S-C-O-M-P-L-I-N-K.com, ExodusComplink.com. And uh, you can find a lot of information there already. And uh, if you need to have a conversation, uh, just sign up for a 20-minute conversation on my calendar. Give me a call. I'm in San Antonio. Be glad to help you out. And um, or just send me an email. Um, in any way, I look forward to, to hearing what you have to say. And if there's anything I can do to help you, uh, let me know. Well, thank you, Tom. And uh, as always, great information. And uh, hopefully some of the folks that listen to this piece reach out. Um, because again, I think it can add real value to their business. If, on a daily basis, if not long term. So again, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. I enjoyed being here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Tom. I think there's a lot of good points in there for all of us. If we own a business, to be able to delegate in different ways at different times in the life of our business. But when it gets down to that transition, when it gets down to that exit time, it's so important there's so many boxes to be checked, and that's one thing great about Tom and his organization. They'll provide you with checklist information, work with you step-by-step step if you choose to engage them, and help you make the most successful transition exit of your business that is possible. If you'd like to contact Tom, I know he gave us information, but I encourage you, for if you're just curious a little bit, go to the website. I mean, his website at thomasjjordan.com has lots and lots of information uh, and give you some ideas at least to think about and ways to improve your business. And don't forget that today's podcast video cast will be published uh, in a couple days, be available on my website at one, that's the number one, bestconsult.com, onebestconsult.com. You can review the show and if you have a mind of it, share it with somebody that's in business, increase our listeners. I deeply appreciate it. We're going to take our bottom of the hour break, but before we do, let me tell you what's coming up the next half hour. First of all, we're going to the mailbag. 
Uh, Bill J. sent in a question about borrowing money at this time. Uh, this kind of ties back into the inflation issue that we discussed at the beginning of the show. And then my one best consult tip of the week, employee retention, another big topic out there. What benefits work to help retain employees? I'm going to give you a few ideas that I've read about recently and ones that I personally have used, and hopefully they might help you retain those good employees you already have. So please stay with us, and we'll be right back with you. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Hey, tune in to the Bridge Podcast TX Tuesdays at 11 a.m. where we are connecting commerce with community, interviewing business owners and leaders in the community, allowing the audience to peek behind the curtain of what inspires, motivates, drives these individuals to have meaningful, positive impact in this community. For more information about the show, log in to IRLoneStar.com slash TBPTX. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the first part of the show today and the conversation with Tom Jordan. And and let me remind you, in addition to my website, you can go to YouTube, Facebook, you can find the page, The Weekly Business Hour, and you can find a recording of today's show video podcast. And I encourage you, if you want to re-listen to something that uh, you missed or, again, share, please do so. Well, what I want to talk about uh, from the mailbag, uh, Bill J., one of our regular listeners, sent in an email recently, and his question was, and I'll quote, in the current financial environment, where should I look if I need to borrow money for my business? I think that's a wonderful question. It's one of the things that is uh, so important today as far as the impact of inflation on borrowing, especially small business borrowing. And I'm just going to take a couple minutes here and go through some steps that I would follow, just some basic steps. Uh, first is eligibility, meaning are you eligible to borrow money? What do your financial statements say? You know, so many times I find that small businesses, unfortunately, do not keep accurate financial statements on their business accurate and timely. And I've talked about this on the on the show and in different issues that come up with that. But when you're going to go to borrow money, if you've not borrowed before, and that's true of a lot of us, uh, they're going to want accurate financial statements at least three years back, sometimes five. Uh, a lot of times you can substitute your tax returns. But this is a, one of the good reasons to keep accurate financial statements and make sure they're timely that you don't wait a full year before you get a financial statement. But that is an issue for another day and one that we have previously discussed. But make sure you're eligible. And there are other things. You know, you put up collateral for a loan. The bank, that's important. But that's the real downside protection. What they really want to be sure of is that you can pay the loan back, that you have the cash flow, the steady cash flow that will make that loan payment on time each time it's due. And then at the end of the day, their loan will get paid back. So the collateral that you put up, whatever it might be, receivables, inventory, uh, equipment, uh, your property, whatever it might be, yes, it's important, but it's really downside protection. So make sure that you have a positive cash flow and have a history of it because you don't want to be disappointed. Now, specifically, I encourage you to start as a place to look at the Small Business Administration. They have some wonderful loan programs, and a lot of times their interest rates can be a little bit less. You know, with 8.5% projected inflation now, uh, the interest rates are going up every day. We see it. Home mortgages, I read the other day, were up to 5%, and we were just down in the low twos. It seems almost like yesterday. So, 
go to the Small Business Administration and look for loans there. Now, if you need some assistance, and that's something, again, if you don't borrow money very often or you haven't done it before, several of the people, for example, that are Silver Fox Advisors, okay, uh, Dick Hendy's the one that pops in my mind. Dick uh, has 40-plus years in the financial industry, mainly in commercial banking. That's what he does. He works with businesses to get their company, particularly financial records, everything lined up, and then actually will introduce them to lenders that are most likely to loan them money. So you can engage Dick if you have an interest in that. Gary Henderson is another uh, Silver Fox advisor. Gary specializes at small business administration loans. He's a banker uh, and a wonderful individual. He's made an appearance on this show. Uh, so if you need that kind of resource, just send me an email. Drop it in the, in the mail to us here at onebestconsult at gmail.com. That's onebestconsult gmail.com. I'll introduce you to these people who can help you. The other thing to keep in mind as I kind of close this uh, subject up is specific lenders. There are a lot of lenders out there that do specific types of loans. It's one reason it's a, a, perhaps a good idea to engage Dick because Dick knows what lenders, what banks are looking for, what kind of loans. But in particular, for an example, say you want to factor your invoices. They're factoring companies. Uh, I know some people in that industry. They do a good job where you actually sell your invoices so you have the cash flow up front. Uh, there are other types, inventory lending, equipment financing. So there's specific lenders. Sometimes they are the best source or the best resource for you to check out because if you're needing equipment to be able to finance it through an equipment vendor, always the question of interest rates, the term and whatnot. So you got to look into that and it may be better or it may be worse than you can get at a bank, say, or some other type of typical lender. But make sure that you check off against what kind of loan that you're looking for and what you plan to do with the money. Great place to look. No doubt about it, Bill, that uh, in your email, very timely, this inflation situation, as we talked about in the first part of the show, it has an impact throughout your business in many different areas. Be sure you're aware of it. Make sure you think through it. Adjust your plan, your business model. It's not something you have to knee-jerk. Don't have to change everything overnight. But it will have an impact, not only today, but I believe for several years at least to come. So adjust to it. Yes, you can borrow money, and there are many resources out there that can help you. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today is my One Best Consult tip of the week. And it's entitled Employee Retention. Employee retention is a big issue right now, uh, particularly you think, well, big companies. People are leaving. Read a statistic a month or so ago, 4.5 million people in 2021 left their jobs. Uh, basically, some of them quit working. I know people that own businesses that just closed them down, not necessarily because they were broke, but they were just tired. And one thing after another, COVID for two years, restrictions actually being closed for a period of time, they just decided to walk away. Other employees just looking for a whole new fresh start, thinking leave the past behind. A lot of different reasons, but there are things that you as a business owner can do to retain good employees. And I want to talk about those for a minute because I think it's important that you use this opportunity to retain and perhaps in the long run, build a better business for yourself uh, and whatnot. The area of benefits specifically, uh, which was the second part of my title, what benefits seem to be important today? The, that list is always out there. It's always available in different resources, uh, made up typically of a lot of different surveys that are done, employee surveys. But the, I think there's been some significant changes based on the surveys of employees of what they're really looking for. You know, first and foremost, and I think a lot of this was not necessarily initiated, but absolutely reinforced by COVID, and that is flexible time. Flexible time means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Most recently, there's some press out there about four-day work weeks. You know, some companies have used four-day work weeks, 10 hours a day, four weeks. I see in California, they're even proposing four days, 32 hours, uh, which is a major, major impact 
if you're an employer there in California, if in fact they enact that legislation. But flexible time, depending on a workforce. For an example, during COVID, you may have allowed some or all your people to work remotely. They got used to it. They saw some advantages, uh, and it became part of their life uh, and their family's life, and they like it, and they want to hold on to some of that. So maybe it's three days in, two days out, or four days in, one day out, working at home. Again, a lot of companies, especially larger companies, have used these models in the past, way prior to COVID. But now that COVID came in, that number of companies, the number of companies, excuse me, that have used it uh, has skyrocketed. So people in general, employees in general, are looking for flexible time. Another thing that I think COVID has really, really reinforced, and that's mental health benefits. Mental health benefits for your employees, their families. Uh, COVID was tough on mental health, and a lot of people have seen the negative results of things that come from locking people up or locking down businesses and the concern for food, family, shelter, all these things. And people are looking for mental health services, which come in many shapes. Um, you can give them a membership on a, on a website. Uh, there's virtual mental health out there. You can set up with a local doctor to work with them, uh, or it can be made part of your overall health insurance plan. So it's not surprising that that's there. And the third one I want to touch on is health care. One of the things that some of the most successful clients I ever have worked with, one of the things they have did and they had in common was health savings accounts. And these are accounts you get a tax benefit on your federal income tax is that you set up an account, you put so much money into it as an employer, each employee has one. This is to cover deductibles and things not covered by the health insurance plan that either your company is offering or is being offered by someone else as a third party directly to your employee. But check out health savings accounts. If you have a professional that works with you on your health plan in your company, uh, talk to them about it. Uh, yes, you may put $1,000 a year. You may put 2000 There are limits, but they're also portable. So if the employee does leave, they can take it with them. I guarantee you I've seen the impact that this benefit has on people. It is truly one that offers security to people, and I think one that's a real home run. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings our show to conclusion this week. I appreciate so much you joining us, and I hope you'll come back next week at 11 o'clock right here on the Weekly Business Hour. And until next week, as I always do every day, I encourage you, stay engaged and keep your focus on what counts in your business. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you next week.